you know, being in a position now where I can offer the care that I know my clients deserve and to have it be truly personalized to them um, is really an honor to me. And that is the most rewarding thing about, you know, starting my own practice. back to another episode of the Midwifery Wisdom Podcast. This week, we're joined again by co-host Augustine Colebrook as she meets with Cleveland, Ohio, CNM, Javon Gray. Javon shares her incredible experience of transitioning from hospital care to running her own home birth practice. She dives into the specifics of how she became an entrepreneur, some of the steps she took to teach herself business, and to create a successful business, the importance of culturally matched care in her process, the power of a strong mindset, and so much more. This is a conversation that has important information for CNMs, CPMs, student midwives, midwives in general alike. There's something everyone at every stage can glean from this powerful conversation. Let's listen in. Well, welcome to the Midwifery Wisdom Podcast, and I am so excited to be joined by Javon Gray, who is a CNM who made the leap out of the hospital uh, lake and into the ponds of home birth. And we're here to talk about like how you made that how you made that happen, and and what's successful, and what's been challenging, and what you loved, and what you wish. And I'll just start with one of the things that I wish. I wish that all the CNMs who are questioning their life challenges and pathway would listen to you and hear this journey. So that's what I'm going to start it out is that you can be a guide for more CNMs to discover the joy of community-based practice. So welcome so much. Would you give us a more in-depth explanation than my little intro? Would you tell us who you are, where you are, and what you do? Yes. Thank you so much, too, for that introduction because I thought it was great. I'm Javon Gray from the Cleveland, Ohio area. And um, as you stated, I practiced in the hospital setting um, since 2019. And I had some experiences at two different local hospitals. Um, I thought that maybe moving from one to the other would help me get the things that I wanted out of the practice of midwifery. And when it did not, um, I, everything wound up aligning. I just I made the decision to start a home birth practice um, in the state of Ohio. We require we are required as certified nurse midwives to have a collaborating physician, which has been so hard for folks to get in this area for decades. And um, I was able to um, come to an agreement with a physician in this area, and so um, I started my birth my home birth practice. So we started. Congratulations! In- first of all. Oh, it's a really daunting process in Ohio. I know about the politics and awesome. Well done. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, we, we agreed in at the end of, uh, November of 2021 and we started in the beginning of 2022. Um, so in January, I caught my first baby at home in February and I've just been going since then. That's amazing. Congratulations and welcome to Community Based Birth. Isn't it awesome? Aren't you so Thank glad? You. It is. <laughs> I am. I am. 
I am for a for for a wide variety of reasons I should say. So um, there were, of course, plenty of things that have to do with policy and procedure and things that are, of course, meant to keep folks safe in the hospital setting, but really wind up dehumanizing the persons who um, enter for care, um, as well as the practitioners who are providing care, you know, on the other side of the glass type deal. You know, being in a position now where I can offer the care that I know my clients deserve and to have it be truly personalized to them um, is really an honor to me. And that is the most rewarding thing about, you know, starting my own practice. So awesome. Well, so I, uh, most of our listeners are midwives um, or or students or, you know, doulas, nurses, folks in, in the birth work world. And I think there are a lot of CNMs in hospital setting who kind of wish that they were doing what you're doing, but they feel like there are a lot of barriers to that. Could you first walk us through how you made that shift, how you transitioned out? Was it a psychological shift? Was it like an education, like you needed more continuing education? Was it like, what What are the barriers and how did you overcome that? So the main shift that needed to be made was the psychological one, right? So changing my mindset surrounding the practice of midwifery, how I was practicing um, and uh, building the confidence that I needed that I could actually and effectively take care of folks in private practice was the main thing, uh, the main hurdle that I had. And once I did that, um, everything else opened up. Once you make a decision to do pretty much anything and it's true and you you have at least a small amount of belief that you can do that thing, you'll be amazed at how many doors will open it because that's what happened to me. That's what's happened to me at each, at each point. So I'm someone who grew up without a whole lot of lively leisure period, right? Like, I, you know, we didn't... Um, you know, have much in the ways of, um, you know, money or anything like that. Um, no one in my family had gone to college um, other than taking a couple of community college classes. No one had completed or anything. And I decided that I was going to go and get a bachelor's degree, that I was going to go to nursing school. And um, I hear people all the time talking about how difficult that is or, um, uh, you know, how hard it is. To, to get through, and I'm, I don't know anything different, right? That's the thing that I decided to do, right? But I'll tell you that I never thought about it like this, like, oh, I'm about to do this extremely hard thing, and I think that was to my benefit. I thought of it, I thought of it as this is the thing that's in between me and my getting what it is that I want, right? This is between me and my goal, and so it wasn't a matter of, if I will be able to do that, it was a matter of how. And so that's how I attack or um, approach any goal that I have. And so from, you know, completing high school, completing college, getting my master's, you know, being in this world of midwifery inside the hospitals, because it is not for the week, especially not up in the Cleveland, Ohio area. There are a lot of challenges that you face. Um, being a in-hospital provider um, that are very unique to it. And, you know, all of it could be labeled as hard. 
Um, but for me, staying focused on what it is that my goals are and what my passions are and making sure that everything is aligning with me, listening to my intuition, that is what gets me through um, every hurdle. So I would say, like I was saying before, the mindset was the first. And then after that, it was more mindset, more mindset, more mindset. So it just came up in different ways. So the first was wrapping my mind around, you know, being an um, independent practitioner. Then it was, well, I know how to take care of people, right? I've been doing that thing. And, you know, I know where my resources are. If I have questions or concerns or anything, referrals are still there, et cetera. Well, now when did I become a marketer? Right? How do I how do I figure that thing out? When you know, uh, what what's what's the business plan? Excuse me. How do I you know how do I get over that thing? And am I qualified for this? Am I qualified for that type deal? Um, just constantly working on my mindset is what you know keeps me in business today. Javon, you've just hit on such an important point, and that is like one distinction that we don't talk about enough is that community based birth providers are also entrepreneurs almost 99% of the time. And so there's this whole other skill set that you have to learn on your own because you don't go to business school. You went to midwifery school, right? Oh, it's so complicated. <laughs> did you have any mentors on this process or did you wish you did? So, okay. So the, the initial approach was to reach out to other to business coaches right, to folks who teach people about business. And um, those were mentors, but the I never, I didn't initially pay for like one-on-one -on -one coaching with feedback, right? So I'm a super yeah, like DIYer. Yeah, you watched a YouTube video, like tell us what you learned from, who, who helped you in this process? Yeah, so I actually wound up purchasing um, a couple of different business coaching um, products um, and the one main one was from Courtney L. Sanders, and um, I wound up going through a lot of her content. And honestly, I still I was still wound up being stuck because in my mind it was supposed to be like a thought transplant, right? Like I learned the most. I learned the most when I started to try things and see what worked for me and my business. Um, and I really just started to put myself out there. The stuff that you do find on YouTube videos, if you put it into practice, if you're not afraid to do it, if you're not afraid to, to do a lot of it, right? <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm cheering for you. Well, just so you guys yeah. know, I, we're going to link your website below and I really encourage everyone to go check it out and your social media. Um, you have nailed the online marketing. I'm like so impressed. I'm kind of fangirling you <laughs> because you guys, you, I, if anyone has taken my business classes, they know I'm like talking about blogs and video and, you know, all the ways that you can get all the different types of content out there and you are doing it and your videos are beautiful and high quality and delivering really important information. And it's just such a joy to see how well you've mastered this space. So first of all, huge congratulations. And uh, we'd love to list those resources that you're naming below. So we'll, we'll make that in the show notes as well. What else helped you? How else did you learn this process? So there was a fair amount of reading. I'm, I'm huge on, you know, self-study. And so any, any mentorship will only make the process 
uh, more streamlined for folks. And so I'm I'm huge on, you know, finding people who know how to do the things that I would like to learn how to do um, and following them. But when I first started, I was very much like, I'm going to read these books. And, and again, just applying things, seeing what worked and what didn't. Um, and I found that the more I focused on myself, on my growth, um, the more my business was able to grow. Hmm. That's beautiful. And so true. Like no matter where you are, like definitely we have to focus on ourselves, like in pregnancy and midwifery, like in parenting, like you can't forget yourself in the process or you really are lost. So brilliant advice. For sure. Networking is another thing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go Um, ahead. Networking. about that. Um, Most of my clients, especially for my first year in practice, came from word of mouth. I had already been in a couple of the major hospital systems and had only given my best, you know, so my, there were folks from each of those systems who were sending people to me, doctors, um, midwives alike. I've had um, doctors who, of course, have wanted to remain anonymous because it was kind of, you know, I was doing a more tabooish type thing, mm-hmm. but who really, um, you know, were supporting me financially and things like that um, uh, in terms of like startup costs and things like that. So I had a lot of support from folks who were inside the hospital systems um, as well. And then I just reached, I started to reach out more to other um, organizations um, from there. That's awesome. That's awesome. And just for reference, what is the, you've been in practice a year now, right? So uh, the home practice is, yeah, yeah, it's two years old now. Yeah, two years. Okay. And what is the volume you're doing now? So I'm at about 23 births. I was at 23 births for last year. Um, awesome. And I serviced 27 clients. Um, some folks just wanted prenatal care um, only. And awesome. um, I had um, last year one coaching client as well. Awesome. That's so exciting. Um, well, so... There's a huge focus in the business piece, right? We have to become entrepreneurs. We have to dial in our marketing and our web and SEO. And there's all these strategies to get in front of the eyes of the people that could be your clients. And that's one big piece that you have to take on when you start your own private practice. But when you leave the hospital system and you move into the home birth uh, or community-based setting, it's a major transition because even if you're a fairly... uh, you know, competent, independent, free-thinking provider, the hospital, there's still a button that you editorial and like respiratory therapy. And like, there's always backup in the hospital. And that just does not exist in the community-based setting. Or if it does, it's a seven to 10 minute call away, right? Like it's not instant. So tell me about how you made that transition psychologically, because I've heard feedback from CNMs that that's the biggest resistance to this leap. Tell me how that went for you. So for me, and this is something that I talk to a lot of uh, my CNM colleagues about, especially when, you know, we share clients and things like that. Folks who will, who either transition from their care to mine or are doing uh, co-care between the two of us um, is that, that that in particular was not a hurdle for me, for me just because of how I thought about the thing. Okay. Which is that, what we see oftentimes is that p- 
people labor and then they give birth, right? And then they start breastfeeding and they move on with their lives, right? That's what we see happen most of the time. And so we, what we know is that most of the time, everything goes very well in labor and birth. Um, when it comes to, you know, complication management, that's something that I had a lot of experience with in these high volume hospital institutionalized systems, right? So um, when it came to managing things like the most common postpartum hemorrhage, for women, the most common for babies being, you know, respiratory issues, when it comes to managing those things, I still have almost all of the, um, you know, the first line, second line, third line um, uh, treatment modalities there with me at home, right? So, I mean, ideally, nobody would ever bleed all over the place. And ideally, you know, babies will all come out kicking and screaming. But these are things that have been managed, that I have managed myself. And most of the time, they, again, don't lead to, uh, you know, a hysterectomy or, or anything like that, right? And so for me, I go on the strength of most of the time those things don't happen, and I know how to tell when I need to dial 911, right? Like if we, if we need to be transitioning to a higher level of care, um, there are multiple things that I can do on the way there that um, are life-saving and are the things that I would be doing if I were in the hospital. I love that. And I just hope everyone who's listening like really hears this because this is one of the best, most well-reasoned arguments. Um, and it's really essentially that even though we have the concept that emergency high-level skills and techniques are available in the hospital, they're actually not 24-7. There's a period where you have to call in the right people and get to the right room and get the right medication and like have a team assemble. It doesn't happen in an instant. And so when we're in the community-based space, being able to plan ahead and make those calls and transition as we see warning signs, actually, we might get there faster than if you'd been in the hospital. Would you agree? Yes. And then you can call ahead and be like, this is what I'm dealing with, right? Like I have, I have access to the providers that are in the major um, labor and delivery wards. I call them, I say, hey, you know, this is what is going on so that they can start preparing while we're on our way and getting all of those things together to help this mom um, or a baby and or baby. So um, I think that, again, it's, it's most of the the, the, the worst case scenarios can start brewing if, if you allow that in. Um, but in the meantime, if you let that prevail over, you know, what you know to be true, which is that most of the time everything goes well, then we do a disservice to a lot of moms who would most of the time just labor, have their baby, start feeding that baby, and, you know, kind of and recover and move on with their lives, so. Amazing how it works. Huh? We've, we've messed with it for so many generations. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's almost like we have to remind folks in the hospital, no, no, this works. I promise. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, Javon, I know one of the core reasons why you made this shift is the importance of culturally matched care. Tell me about your experience of advertising that in your community and then offering that in your community. What's that been like? So it's insane because that was the main thing that I thought of when I was getting into the hospital systems was like, black people ain't about the, black people want the epidurals, okay? You know, or, you know, the people from my community, like they, they only know about the hospital, et cetera. 
But when I opened doors to Three Rings Midwifery, I was getting a ton of calls of people who were like, hey, like, but you look like me and I'm talking to you and you seem to understand exactly what it is that I need. And, you know, I want to be spoken to like you speak to me. I, I, you know, they were feeling heard. They were feeling understood with just a consultation call, you know, um, and a quick one, you know, not really prepared. And at that point, I mean, I had only done like, you know, anywhere from zero to like, you know, maybe 40 or 50, I think I did in my first year. Um, and people just felt relief in knowing that this was something that was going to be um, provided in this area. And um, by just somebody who, who looked different, somebody who they just vibes with better. Um, because I'll tell you, I've also I've had people, of course, from different cultures as well, that we our ideas aligned, our values aligned, and we had, you know, a great experience together as well. But there's something about um representation um that really makes larger groups of people feel like they're at home and that is so important when it comes to labor and birth it's so important when it comes to being so vulnerable um during your labor um it's maybe the most important thing in fact statistics keep showing over and over that the best way to decrease poor outcomes is culturally matched care and um, it's like you said, it's also a vibe. Like you can feel it when you yeah. sit with folks that look and sound like you and really get you. It feels so different. There's like no replacement for that. And indeed, it actually saves lives. This is so exciting that you're doing this. I bet the community response has been amazing. Yes, for sure. Um, so, and honestly, a lot of it has come from the doulas, you know, like they've even been sending me clients as well, right? Like, because there are so many doulas in this area of all different backgrounds and um, they, for the black doulas, for the African-American doulas in this area um, who have been out here and in the hospitals and, you know, and things like that to, to have a midwife of color um, be out. And, and when I came out into practice, um, I actually came out with um, three other midwives. So one of us, um, there were three total nurse midwives and then one um, midwife who was on the road to CPM. Cool. Cleveland is yeah. all so different now. It's so exciting. Yeah, it is. There is. So um, I'm actually the midwife who is consulting on that birth center that is going to be um, hopefully cool. opening up in 2025. So I read about that yeah. on social media and I was like, Ooh, who's this? It's very exciting. Congratulations. That's so exciting. We've talked a little bit about um, CNMs making this leap. Um, I Your website is beautiful. And I saw that you have a number of um, assistants, birth assistants, that all look like they come from um, a medical background, it seems like. And I'm wondering, are you ever thinking about taking student midwives? Have you considered that? So I have considered that. And I've had a couple of them reach out to me who are, you know, like not in a hurry, uh, so to speak, to get their, all of their requirements fulfilled, um, who really are interested in out-of-hospital birth. Um and I stay not in a hurry because, of course, my volume is not high enough for them to get, you know, all of their requirements in within 
you know, a semester or two, right? Um, and for so, CNMs, definitely. For but CNMs, for CPMs, yeah. it's actually intended to be a three-year apprenticeship. Have you thought of taking CNM a CPM apprenticeships? CPM. Yeah, so there was a CPM um, student who had reached out to me, and I had filled out all of the forms for um, uh, all of the NARM forms. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, the preceptorship forms. And I haven't um, heard back from them, so that's something I need to follow up on. But, yeah, I have thought of that for sure. Well, but I just, I'll tell you, whatever I can I have do to cheer that on. Also. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I know it's needed. I know it's needed. It's so needed. It's needed. Um, yes. BIPOC mentors are in short supply and the more that could join the ranks would be amazing. Although I know that you're still, you know, getting your feet wet and, you know, testing the waters yourself. So, you know, when, and if you feel ready, I would just say we need you. <laughs> so I, I hope that's possible. Yeah. I, I mean, I could literally send you five students today so <laughs> whenever you're ready. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Look, I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta get, get together with Norm and figure, and figure out how to make this official. And once I do that, yeah. um, I will reach out. That would be amazing. Well, um, speaking of educational pathways, um, uh, I wrote a thesis for my master's project that was about creating an interprofessional postgraduate clinical residency program for community-based birth, and it was aimed at. Um, helping folks like yourself, um, you have the wherewithal to get that data yourself and 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 really make uh, you know make that transition. But you know, effort to try to give more opportunities for CNMs and CMs and honestly MDs and DOs who want to move in the community-based space because there are more and more docs opening birth centers or doing home births. I wanted to provide um, an interprofessional. Uh, pathway for them to get community-based birth experience because I'm sure as as you've gone on it's very different and it can be really daunting to get into that space yeah 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 for sure. so it's I created this from... residency program yeah go ahead tell us tell us about your experience well I was just thinking about the all of the, the physicians who I have spoken to about home birth and, and the way that they speak about it, it's very much like, you say what, right? Like they cannot really wrap their mind yeah. around it. There's a whole lot of like risk, 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 you know, that pops yeah. up in their mind. So for sure, I can see how it will be super daunting for them. For sure. Yeah. I don't think that necessarily, you know, we need a ton of physicians in the community-based space. I think it should be the midwifery model of care and midwives do belong in this space. And I, I'm not like highly advocating for, you know, all OBGYNs to become mini midwives, you know, that's not the idea, but the idea is that if they already have the inspiration to move into this space, they should be oriented to the differences in space. And so lots of advocacy organization have been like, we advocate for ACOG or ACNM or NACPM, you know, but what we've taken the pathway at Midwifery Wisdom is that we're advocating for the location of care, not the provider type, because the hospital-based care model is very different than the community-based care model. And it really doesn't matter whether you're a CNM or a CPM or an MD. We're not doing cesareans at home. We're not giving pain medication. Like there's things we aren't doing at home, you know? So I felt like it would be much better to really focus on the community-based, um, like protocols and policies and like shore that up because it feels like 
I'm really glad you're doing what you're doing, which is why I'm interviewing, but it feels like there's more and more pressure to academicize and and uh, clinicalize the care across the nation. And that, that home birth or this, this body of knowledge of midwifery might be lost. Do you think that's possible? I don't, I don't believe that it's possible. I think that just like the only, oh, this is only the only uh, sort of metaphor that I can think of. But what I think is that it is possible to layer over the basics, right? The, mm-hmm. the midwifery care, mm-hmm. the caring for this person, being with this person, right? Um, it's very easy to layer over it a bunch of, you know, rhetoric and statistics and policies and procedures and, you know, negative thoughts, right? Like, and that's, that's what we tend to do, even in a hospital setting. I think that it's just more uh, mechanical and uh, more likely to happen in a hospital setting. Um, but I think that even hospital birth could potentially be um, very midwifery friendly. You know what I mean? I think that what the difference is how much we layer a bunch of the unnecessary. Um, mm, it's a great know, distinction. Thoughts and things like that mm. on top of it. So I don't think it could ever be lost because it's very, very simple. It's basic. It's not, it's, it's, it's instinctual care. It's, it's led by the person who is pregnant and or laboring, right? And that can't be lost. As long as there are laboring people, we can always follow them. We can always provide high level of care that is specific to them, right? We can always answer their particular needs. So I don't think the art of midwifery can ever be lost, but I do think it's very easy to layer on top of it a bunch of other, in my opinion, trash. Mm. Mm. That is, that is well meaning right there. trash, but trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm high-fiving you there. Woo. Yeah. And I, I think that, I mean, you have a very important, uh, like adage there, well-meaning. And I think that's the important thing is that we can't vilify a system or a provider type or even a care type. It's, it's all well-meaning. All the intervention and all the technology developed in, in obstetrics was literally created to save someone's life. The problem is when it gets overused, right? That That's where the real crisis happens. I feel like the real thing that midwives are experts at is is discovering the balance of care, of being able to risk assess someone to figure out, do they belong in this setting or this setting, this provider or this provider, this intervention or that intervention? Yeah, I think that's what we're experts at. Don't you agree? Yes, I do, for sure, right? So what I always tell my clients is I, I become a database of information. I become a resource from which you can, you know, pool to make decisions about your care, right? And so, of course, I'm here to provide you with um, basic care, if that's what you need, right? Low-risk care that, um, and when I say basic, of course, I don't mean the experience because the experience is A1, but, you know, as little of it as you need, right? And then I offer interventions along the way if that's something that I think you might benefit from, right? And that's something that you choose, right? You choose if you are going to accept this, this, or that intervention. You choose, it, you know, where you're going to have your baby. Um, I'm just there to tell you what it is that I see. Um, and based on my experience, what might work for you, right? And so for sure, I'm definitely um, one who believes that, that, that is, that's the, the role that I play. Because honestly, 
because most people just labor and just have their babies and just start living with them, right? Um, I am sometimes just not needed. You know what I mean? Right? I'm more, you know, needed to get through emotional roadblocks and things like that that might come up throughout pregnancy, labor, or birth. And I think I can be useful, useful there too. But um, in the event that there is a higher level of care needed, I pride myself, right, on being one of the people who can spot that and let people know in advance, like, this is what you might be coming up against. Um, this is what I see. Sometimes this happens, sometimes that happens. And um, I'm, I'm very much big on, like, as long as we can have a conversation about anything, you know, we can move forward. And so um, that's what happens with, with my clients is I'm just, I am a resource. I'm not just a resource. I am a resource. It's awesome. That's beautiful. Well, while we're on this theme of like the roadblocks to this pathway that you've so beautifully charted for yourself, one that is oftentimes commented on is the payer source. Would you be able to be candid with us about how um, you're financing your process, how, how you're beginning paid? Is it working for you? Can you get insurance reimbursements? So I can get insurance reimbursement um, in the state, but when it comes to um, home birth payout, very few insurance um, payers were actually reimbursing for that. And so for me, I made the decision from the beginning um, that I would be private pay only. And so all of my clients um, pay out of pocket and then some, the ones who have eligible insurance are then reimbursed on the back end. Um, the people who have tended to get the most um, reimbursement and even have full out-of-pocket expenses um, reimbursed to them have been folks who have like, um, I might be saying it's wrong, but there's some sort of like uh, sharing, like insurance. Like the Christian health care plans? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, like a Christian healthcare plan. So there are multiple that are mostly faith-based, um, mm -hmm. but I've accepted so far three different types and they have paid the most and up to full reimbursement for, um, yeah, you know, totally. Yeah, it's a brilliant insurance alternative that is somehow legal in the U.S. I'm, I'm happy that people have access to that. <laughs> Yeah, right. Totally. It's really nice. Totally. It's been really nice for them. They've been able to get all kinds of supplements and things like that as well, have labs or um, covered, ultrasounds covered the whole the whole nine. And, and so folks have really um, gotten a lot of benefit from that. And then also a, a few of my clients have had enough in their um, FSA account um, or, of course, HSA as well, but in their account to fully fund their their home birth as well so awesome yeah I think that's thing, something that someone's really you know shocked about when they come out of the hospital system is that your copay in the hospital is the same as the entire pay in community-based right? <laughs> ain't that something ain't that something and you would think and and people and people a lot of folks will like uh, you know kind of gasp sometimes um, as a thought, because they feel like if they go have their baby in the hospital, especially for folks who haven't done it before and haven't gotten a bill when they went home, um, they think that, you know, I'm just going to go there and I'm going to have my baby and, you know, I don't know how much they think they're going to pay um, for it. But uh, it's like here, it's like very upfront, right? Like this is 
this is your responsibility type deal. And it's not like a month after you have your baby. um, I'm like, now where is that $6,000 at? Where is that $10,000 at? Or whatever, you know? (laughs) No, 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 no. Up front, up front. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally. Well, that is awesome. And like, again, a huge congratulations for you. Um, And I, the quality of the content that you put out and obviously um, the work that you've put in to create this entity, gosh, I hope that, I hope you can scale. I hope you can grow. Like, are you thinking about hiring other midwives? Are you imagining growing or yes, already? I don't want to like to overwhelm you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I am. So the, so what my focus is now on is um, getting better at marketing so that I can, um, you know, drive the, um, the amount of folks that want um, home birth or out of hospital yeah, care. Right? Like, yeah, and really exactly. create an audience that's ready for you to serve their needs. Yeah, it's awesome. It's really mm-hmm. awesome. I, I honestly, I'm really amazed that it's only been two years. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. You've got an awesome presence online and um, yeah, it's really inspiring. Well, let's wrap up today by talking um, to the um, student CNMs or the already practicing CNMs and give them some real concrete steps. Like if they were thinking, that sounds great, but I couldn't afford it. Or that sounds great, but I can find a doctor back me up. Or that sounds great, but I don't even know where to start. Like, what would you tell them? What are some first concrete steps? Um, the first and the most important is, is surrounding mindset. You have to decide that this is what you want, that you are worthy of this. This is something that's possible for you. And once you decide that and you decide to do whatever it is that you would like to do, right? So if it's becoming a midwife, you will figure it out, right? Like that's what all of us are doing. We're just figuring it out. It's not necessarily the case that we have, you know, um, the golden manual rights in front of us, but you have to start with believing in yourself. And there's also not one right way, right? There's like many ways. There is not. You know? There's so many ways. There's so many ways. And I've I've known midwives who have gone down one path and been like, look, maybe that route isn't for me and gone down another raft specifically, another path specifically when it comes to like starting the nurse midwifery route and then switching and, you know, deciding that maybe, you know, the... CPM routers more bit yeah. or direct mm-hmm. entry, either one, are are just are a better fit for them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, get started and start today. <laughs> start today. So yes. I would, um, if you haven't done any research into you know the different programs, start doing research into different programs. Um, I will find a mentor. Literally reach out to people who are midwives, especially if they're entrepreneurs, that it's all over their profiles, it's all over the internet. Okay. Um, reach out to folks um and see what did and didn't work for them. So those would be the the main things to start off is trying to find someone out there who That's has done awesome. what it is that you would like to do, deciding that this is for you. And then next, start to apply yourself, whether that be if you're gonna go, you know direct entry, then that means you need to be out there networking. You need to be figuring out who is going to help you, you know, with your studies um, and how you can help them, right? Especially when you get out 
into there because it's a lot more clear cut for the folks who are going to CNM or CM pathway, right? Because yeah. they just want the money. You pay them and they will teach you the things. You pay them and they teach you the things. But when it comes when it comes to, you know, the the CPM or um uh, direct entry midwife pathway, you know, you have to figure out what people want, which if you ain't got a, a lot of money or don't want to take the risk of loans or things like that, um, then go figure out what people want, give it to them and get what you want. That is literally yes. life. That's, that's yeah, life it is. Ooh, speaking <laughs> truth right here, dropping truth bombs. That is life. Figure it out. I'm a big fan of Marie Forleo. Do you follow her at all? Marie Forleo? Marie no. TV? Uh, Marie TV is like a free business coaching, online business coaching online um, on YouTube and everything. Marie TV. And Marie Forleo is um, this business online business school teacher. And she wrote a book called Everything is, Fig- is Figure Outable. Well, um. <clears throat> It is. But it's that, just, but that is like... for anybody who wants to be a midwife too. And I, I know that we love to be like, okay, do X, Y, and Z thing. And there, there are multiple different podcasts. A, a friend of mine and I were planning to, to, to start one as well that can kind of help people along the way. But the fact of the matter is that you're going to have to, you're going to come up with the same issues when it comes to midwifery, right? How many ways can you help somebody who uh, is nauseous? Right. How many ways can you help somebody who, um, you know, is having a lot, a lot of pelvic pressure, um, you know, in the third trimester or even in the second trimester, whatever. There are multiple different ways to help people. You are always going to have to figure it out. This is it, does, it starts now. Right. And so um, when you wrap your mind around that and know that you can do that, because that's all any of us are doing. We're, it's, no, it's not like we're like way smarter or you know have some sort of superpower you believe in ourselves we do the work that's required and we figure the thing out and we help other people do the same and so that is the main thing that i will say to people you You can figure it out yes (laughs) yes well i i love that we started and are ending with mindset and i just want to really echo what you're saying like i think the difference between successful entrepreneurs and struggling entrepreneurs successful midwives and struggling midwives is totally mindset um you basically have to decide that this is your way and there may be roadblocks there might be limitations there might be impediments but there is a way around somehow there's someone or some way and you, you just keep fighting. I'm, I, I'm, you're really inspiring. I'm, it's really exciting to meet you and thank you over the online and to hear your story. And mm, I hope that you mm-hmm. will, in addition to growing your business and scaling and doing all the things, I hope that you will step into leadership in midwifery. I hope that you will be a mentor ah. for many. People keep telling me that. People mm-hmm. keep telling me that. I can see why. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah thank you Devon we need more exactly like what you're doing inspiring don't take no for an answer being the change you wish to see in the world it's pretty awesome thank you thank you so much yeah well thank you for joining us on the podcast today um, where can people you online so on Instagram at Devon.the.midwife um, I also have a Facebook 
Um, and I want to say the best place to follow me there would be at TR Midwifery. There's a, a Facebook page um, there. Um, you'll have my website in the, in the show notes. And honestly, I'm a callable. Call me. <laughs> right? Okay. I'm callable. Two one six two three zero eight eight four zero. Yeah, just call me. Just call me. Like seriously, just call me. Your your phone might (laughs) ring off the hook now. Just now, be prepared. There are so many student midwives who would love to learn from you. Um, So thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. It's been a real pleasure, and uh, I hope we get to meet in person someday. Yes, that will be awesome. Let's make that happen. Okay. Thanks, Javon. Have a great day. Thank you.